Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the National Trappers Association podcast. Uh, welcome. We have a really, really cool show for you tonight, I believe, as we're recording this. Um, sitting here with my guest host, Mr. Andrew DeHart. How are you this evening, Andrew? I'm doing good, Chip. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. And uh, we also have on the line the uh, NTA's attorney, Mr. Gary Lestico. Gary, are uh, you still with us? How are you this evening? I, I am here. I'm doing well. Um, enjoy being um, present, honored to be present, and hope it's interesting for people what we talk about. Awesome. Good deal. Good deal. I've been looking forward to this show since we started this podcast. Uh, we've had quite a few. For new listeners, uh, we are recording and putting podcasts up every other week. They uh, originally air on Sunday mornings early. But you don't have to just listen to them then. They're, they're archived, so you can listen to them any day of the week that you want to. Uh, we hope that you make it a bi-weekly thing and, and tune in every other week. And um, the history behind that, uh, President John Daniels, it was basically his idea to, that we start a podcast. Um, and what we had realized is a lot of our members or even potential members, you know, we, NTA does a lot of really, really good stuff that's really, really protective to trap for trapping and for trappers. The one thing that we historically have not done a very good job of is getting our message out there. And, and I trust that a little later on in this show that we're going to talk about some of the reasons why we don't talk about this, because, you know, there's another side and those, the, you know, the people on the other side are also uh, actively watching and listening to us. So we'll touch on those, but, we did think that there was a need and it and deemed it necessary to have communication with our members. What are we doing? What what's the mechanics? What's the function? What is what, what's the purpose of NTA and why is it even there? So hopefully through quite a few of these episodes already, and then again in tonight's episode, we'll make that a little bit you know clearer and uh and we'll we'll have some conversation about that before we do we want to stop real quick and and uh and tag our supporters uh tonight's two supporters are going to be uh national trappers foundation uh formerly known as, as fur bears unlimited uh that whole transition is still um it's not going to be too long that will officially be changed over to ntf but uh but that process is in the works right now um, and they actually put the bill for the server cost and, and all that's for, for the for the podcast. So we appreciate National Trappers Foundation a lot. Also, we want to recognize Louisiana Department of Natural Resources. They've come alongside of us. They see the value in trapping and, and see the value of the National Trappers Association. They've come alongside us in a supporter role as well. So we would like to uh, to recognize those guys down in Louisiana and thank them for their support for the podcast. Well, with that, we'll get just straight on over into the meat of the show. Um, and so, um, Gary, tell us a little bit about you. I'll introduce you. Gary is our, is our, uh, attorney that handles legal, all of our legal matters for national Travis association, as well as several, several others. He's also represents, National Trappers Foundation as well, and numerous other roles. So, Gary, um, uh, no better no better person to introduce you than you. So, uh, so kind of kind of follow up a little bit and and let folks know who you are. Sure, and glad to be here. So, I am an uh, an attorney, and I've been an attorney for a little over thirty years. 
and I office out of where I live, um, central East Central Minnesota. And I do represent the National Trappers Association. I have for don't know exactly how long, but a couple decades, I guess. Um, represent Fur Takers of America in the role of a number of litigations that are ongoing, and then a number of the state associations. Um, like the Minnesota Trappers, Idaho Trappers, Montana Trappers, New Mexico Trappers. Um, usually when we, you know, the rule for the, the NTA is, is that they will not insert themselves into a state matter unless the state affiliate requests that the NTA becomes involved. And I think FTA, Furtakers of America, follows generally the same role. And then when I get involved, there are rules that apply to attorneys as far as conflict issues and representation of multi-parties, and I follow those. And everybody gets along, I think, very well with the NTA, FTA, and then the local association. So that's how that sets up. Stepping back a little bit as an attorney, so I've been an attorney for 30 years, and I grew up on a on a farm uh, dairy crop operation in East Central Minnesota. You know, everybody I knew trapped. All my relatives, for the most part, trapped. Grew up trapping, um, trapped that entire time, and I continue to trap today. So as I sit here on the beginning of January, I have traps out right now, and I primarily trap with my son, and um, we trap the multi-species that are available in Minnesota. So I had the interest on trapping long before um, I became an attorney. And the only years I have not trapped is the years I was in the military and just, it was not possible. And um, I always continue to trap and that's a, a passion. It's not just something I do. And I think trapping is unique in that way where there, there are people that hunt and fish and they they do hunt and fish but trappers are trappers and they they trap as part of that lifestyle and then I after getting out of the military um, finished college went to law school still had that interest and it, it is not all I do represent trappers it's an important part of what I do most of my practice is environmental ag natural resource um, pretty much all litigation, um, but also represent entities like specifically the National Trappers and the Minnesota Trappers Association, I, what they refer to as general counsel. So if they have a legal issue, they call me up and we deal with it in addition to if they have litigation. And the NTA, um, as well as the National Trappers Foundation, you know, go to their board meetings. There are the an entity has issues that are outside of just their purpose. Um, you know, they have the same thing everybody else has that, you know, employee issues, they have bylaw issues, there's tax compliance, those type of things. So deal with with those associations. And I, I don't, I'm confident I haven't represented every trapping association around the country, but the larger part of them at least in the sense they'll call up with a specific issue that they have a concern with or a need for some legal advice, and they'll call me up and and I help them out as I can. Andrew, so, right before 
right before we had we got started, this may be a great segue. You had a question for Gary. I think this may be a really, really good segue to it. I'm gonna let you ask Gary the question that you had right before we started recording. Oh, okay, perfect. Um, so you know, Gary, you're you're mentioning, you know, the NTA is taking the and the FTA for the most part has taken the stance that uh you know they will begin to get involved when a state reaches out to them. Um, when, when that state does that, how, how does that begin to work if a, a state association is going into legal litigation and, and things of that nature that, um, and they say, Hey, we need your guys's help. How does that all, you know, how do all the chips fall into place there? Sure. And so I've had, um, where an individual member, it's usually the president or someone on the board of directors for a state association, and they contact me that they have an issue. And I do represent state associations just directly, no involvement from the NTA or FTA. And as long as there's not a conflict of interest, and when an attorney talks about conflict of interest, that is the simplest, obvious example would be if you call me up and you want to sue your neighbor, I can't represent you and your neighbor on the same lawsuit, both sides. I can just represent one side. And with a like a state association calls me up and they'll want me to assist them, represent them on an issue, as long as it's not adverse to any other client that I have. And in, in addition to the trapping associations, I have clients, well, you know, agribusinesses, farmers, that type of thing. And of course, the chance of a trapping association having an issue with the farmer or vice versa is very low, but I do a conflicts check when anyone contacts me to make sure I don't have an adverse representation. So if a state association calls up and it's they're not seeking involvement from the NTA or anyone else, I've worked with a number of them just directly. They're my client and, and they're um, who I'm representing. Often they will call me and they they're reaching out to me because I represent the NTA and I have the background and the experience on this. And they will call me seeking assistance from me on through the NTA. And I'll talk to them and then I will refer them um, to the NTA. And I'll usually have them call the president um, initially, you know, John Daniels now, previous presidents before that. And they'll make that request. And then the NTA, if they agree to that, and that's the client's determination, then I will start representing the NTA with the local association. And that is, we have a number of cases in the country right now where I represent the NTA and the local association and have done that for decades. And that's been seamless, works very, very well. Um, you know, there's a joint effort, so there is no conflict. Everybody's trying to get um, the same purpose, which, to, which is to protect trapping. And um, and the NTA does have a longstanding uh, policy that they will not get involved in a state matter if the state affiliate doesn't request them to do so. And then in recent times, last few years, I think it's a very good thing where fur takers and the, the national trappers has um, 
work together more than they maybe did in the past. And um, we've had a number of efforts where I represent the NTA, the FTA, and the local association. So that's a long answer to a very good, simple question, which is if a local association is seeking involvement from myself as the attorney for the NTA, they could call me or they could just call the NTA directly. If they know their state director, they could do that. And I would think I would assume and think that the state director would then refer them to the president, which is John Daniels currently, and just take it from there. Um, but I do represent associations directly. You know, they're not asking me as the attorney for the NTA. They're asking me as an attorney with background on this type of law that affects trappers and trapping associations. And I've done that directly. Happy to help them out. And if I can't, I just tell them. And, you know, attorneys have to be licensed in the state that they're litigating in. And I am licensed in a number of states and on states where I'm not directly licensed because it's a, a process to get licensed in a particular state, then I often will work through local counsel, which I, you know, either the association knows a local attorney or I know an attorney in that area and we work those things out. But that's the process. So just It starts with give us a call and very favorable to help trappers out. I um, I just have a distaste for anti-trapping legislation or litigation. It doesn't matter to me if I would never be able to trap in that state. It still bothers me. Um, you know, I, I respect trapping. I think it's a good thing. I think it stands on its own as a very important management tool. Um, I think it's a matter of personal freedom um, to do that type of thing. And like I said, I do it. My, you know, my kids do it and I intend my grandkids to do it and their kids and their grandkids to do it. Gary, that brings up a real interesting point. Uh, I've had the pleasure of working with you for the better part, maybe even exceeding a decade at this point in time now. Um, uh, always, always professional. Um, it, it, but when we're talking about these litigations, we uh, we work together side by side on numerous of these, uh, or, or you know, or just basically I track along, you know, through your reports and different things. I'd like for you just to touch a little bit on our quote unquote. This is probably not the right terminology, but our success rate, our scores, because it's been phenomenal when you compare that to a lot of other legal matters. That you know, what's the old saying? You win some, you lose some. We win just about all of these. And so uh, we've got a really, really good thing that's that's going with a good team and the right people and some smart minds. Can, so can you elaborate any, and, and if you can't, I understand that too. And, and also take the time to to explain to the people, there's some things that we just cannot talk about because you can't you can't give away your game plan for, for certain. But, but if you could maybe cover those two things, kind of our, success rate and that's not quantified by a certain percentage number but just kind of overall we've we've had really really good luck doing what we do and then also maybe explain you know some of the reasons some of the parameters why we can't talk about every detail of every case yeah i mean you know when clients ask me what's the biggest case i've ever handled i can honestly say i consider every case i've ever handled the biggest case I've ever handled because to that client, that's their case. 
And I, I don't just say that. I mean that. It doesn't matter whether it's economically big or economically small to that client. That's their deal. And I, I respect that. So I take them all very seriously. And I'm, I've been doing it a long time. And you do pick up through experience. I mean, if you look at trapping, if you look back, what you how you trapped, you know, 30 years ago, if you're that old, or even five years ago, if you're younger, you trapped differently than you did then because you just learned what didn't work. You learned what worked. And the law is no different in that sense. So take it very seriously. I have a very straightforward process when I start a litigation, when a client calls up and they have, you know, they've been sued or they have someone that's harmed them through a breach of a contract or in whatever form. Uh, I have a very patterned way of how I break a case down and look at it. And it's, it's very objective and logical. And um, that's not how you treat the client, but that's how you treat the case and just go through the process. And there is something to be said for being right. And trapping does, like I said, trapping stands on its own. You know, in today's world, there are people that disagree with it and they just don't like the idea of it. But um, serious trappers that trap professionally, and I don't mean professionally money, but they take it seriously. You check your traps when you're supposed to. You don't trap where you're not supposed to. And I don't just mean legally. I mean, there's places if you trap, you know, this isn't where I should set my traps. This is not, there's going to be traffic in this area, that type of thing. If you follow through that, it's it's necessary. It's good game management plan. I trap on a number of private properties. They People call me and they have this issue or that issue. Um, around here, a lot of times it's beaver and it's flooding everything. And I, I go in and trap the beaver. And so on the case, you don't, as an attorney, you don't absolutely, absolutely have to know the subject matter, but it is a great benefit to know the subject matter. And I grew up trapping and snaring. I get the deal. You can't fool me on what's what about trapping. And um, and I think that helps a great deal. And then the clients are good to work with. I mean, um, trappers that are involved in these associations are the ones that don't just trap. They're the ones that that walk the talk as far as they put out the time and the effort. And Chip, you and I have worked together many times, and you put an unbelievable amount of effort and time into protecting trapping all over the country, regardless that you're not going to trap all over the country. You do it beyond that. And, and those are good people to work with. And these lawsuits typically take the fashion of, you know, they'll sue under the Endangered Species Act or they'll sue under the National Environmental Policy Act, NEPA, or some um, Administrative Procedure Act claim under federal law. And they, they make their claim um, trying to argue things that they're going to have a very hard time proving up in court. Um, and I respect people that don't like trapping. You know, I respect a person's right not to trap. If you don't want to trap, don't trap. And um, if someone tries to make you trap and don't want to, I'm there to, you know, to assert your rights that you don't have to trap. But if if people trap and they stay out of your business, just let them go about their business. And um, 
So I think we take it very seriously. Um, the NTA has been great to work with. They let me do my deal. They they just get me involved. They point me in the direction and they say, go do your deal. And, and they're very good clients on that. Um, I try to keep them informed. It's hard. In, in court cases, things move real fast and then they move real slow. And some clients want more um communication and some just want you to do your deal and, and tell them when they need to be told. So we go through that process. And um, I think we've had, you know, we don't get out of every case unscathed. And there is the concept of death by a thousand cuts. And, um, and there is some of that, these groups, they sit down and talk about their strategy that they bring these claims just like we sit down in our meetings and talk about strategy of what's the likely next type of claim, what's the way to defend it, how do we have to set that up, how do we work with that state to minimize the chance that the claim will come. Though They do the same thing on the opposite side. They just want to stop trapping for the sake of stopping trapping. So um, I'm not happy with, I mean, even if you win a case, it it sucks resources out of the client. I mean, it's time, it's money, it's those type of things. Um, I give a, a good rate to trappers, but it still costs money to litigate. I have my office and the people that work with me and we do charge the trappers on some of this and some of it I do out of the, you know, just out of my belief that it's a good thing to represent trappers on. So, but that's how we do it. And, and that's the litigation and on working with trappers, like with state agencies or federal agencies or legislation, give a lot of effort into explaining to people how to present their case, how not to present their case, how to be, you know, uh, reasonable and polite with people, even if you strongly disagree with them. Um, you, you get a much broader acceptance from a much, much broader audience if you react to the world that way, then you might feel angry, you might think they're stupid, you might think they're ignorant, you might think they're wrong, but treat them with respect nonetheless gets you a lot further down the path. And um, so I don't know if that answers a question. It, there's by no means we win everything, um, but we put a lot of effort into it and we usually can get a fairly good outcome um, we've had some state settle around us. They'll get sued by a group. And that that is the Achilles heel in some ways. If the state DNRs or Game and Fish um, won't stay in the litigation with us, um, there's some things we can do about that. There's some things we can't do about it. And like you said, Chip, can't win everything. There are certain realities you know, any attorney's good if they got perfect facts and perfect law on their side. It's a lot harder in the real world when you have the facts you have and the law is what the law is. Right. Right. Well, I want to get you to touch on some of the, you know, some of the active cases that we can. But I think it may be important to explain a little bit, you know, I, I guess maybe this may be a better way to poise the question. There's certain things that we cannot talk about. And I think there's a lot of people that don't understand that. Well, you know, why, why can't you talk about every case that's going on? Because you can't give away your game plan. So kind of explain that a little bit 
And then after that, maybe we can hit some highlights of the active cases that are going on now uh, that you represent the National Trappers Association on. Sure. And yeah, for the most part, I think generally people understand, you know, there's the attorney-client privilege that if you tell um, your attorney something, your attorney's bound with very, very few exceptions to keep that absolutely privileged. So it's much broader than confidence. It's a privilege, meaning it can't be extracted from you by any legal method. Um, There are some exceptions. And if you've been watching the news, they'll talk about, you know, an active criminal, um, you know, conspiracy with clients and that type of thing that doesn't, that the attorney-client privilege may, um, whether it's true or not, it's a different issue, but that's one way to pierce the attorney-client privilege. So some of it is if a client tells me something, whether that's an association or an individual, unless they authorize me to tell someone else, I can't tell someone else. That's It stays with me. Um, and that includes every attorney in my office and all our staff and that type of thing. Um, and then it's true, there is generally no good reason to talk about uh, ongoing litigation or potential litigation or a potential plan on how to um, try to accomplish something in a legal way or a practical way. There's no generally good reason to to tell the media or others about it. it doesn't help you. Whether it hurts you or not, it might not, but it seldom will help you. There are some instances where it does. Um, you know, on lobbying, you may want to make a bigger statement so that the the legislators or the agency people you work with understand you're supporting them and you support them by favorable announcements in the media, that type of thing. That's relatively limited. So it's just the practical attorney-client privilege keeps me, um, and I often tell the client, nothing good's going to come out of talking about this. Just keep, because they're just going to hear it, the other side. It will get to them. They monitor it. I'm sure they will listen to these podcasts. They, I'm sure they have members that give them our magazines. They look at our websites, Facebook, often, including some current litigations. There are Facebook posts, web page posts that are admitted into the case as evidence whether it's effective evidence or not it's a different issue but they bring it in and so those things can hurt us and so we have to limit it in that in that way and and that's the primary reason we can't talk about it publicly and it it may be frustrating if people say well i might be willing to donate some money or be a member but i want to know kind of more and um and it's some we just can't, you know, there is a saying, you know, loose lips sink ships. And that's a very true saying. And so that's the primary reason. There's no purpose otherwise in trying to keep the membership from knowing more. It's just that we're helping the membership out. And it's usually focused in a particular state at, at, at a time. But, if, you know, if there's litigation in Oregon, it's going to affect Florida and Maine. It, it is. And if there's litigation in Florida, it's going to affect Oregon and Maine and and every state's that way. So it isn't just about a particular state. And if it hasn't come to your state yet, 
you just trap long enough, it's gonna. I mean, these outside groups that don't like trapping, um, they're as tireless as we are. They're just on the other side of the fence. And it might be that they're well-meaning in the sense they truly believe in it. I mean, there's some that I think know that what they're trying to do is is wrong, but some of them they think no, they're they're doing the right thing. We're we're the people doing the wrong thing, and those people get very motivated. And um, so we try to tell people what's going on and the nuts and bolts. Once something is filed in a court, that is a public document unless it's under seal, and very few things are of uh, percentage wise are under seal. And so once it's public, then anybody can talk about it because it's public and and that type of thing. And, and in a number of cases we have going, I can talk about those because things are filed and the other attorneys know about it and their clients know about it because their attorneys know about it. And um, we can get into that. But for the most part, you do not want an attorney that talks openly or advises their clients to talk openly. It might feel good for that minute, but it's going to hurt you long-term. And so if the media calls me, I make no comment and I won't make a comment except for the very rare situation where it's necessary to show support um, to people that are supporting the trapping associations or the trappers. That's, that's super interesting, and I think it's also very, very enlightening for our, for our listeners uh, as well. Um, <clears throat> Andrew, do you have any other questions right now? Because I would like to ask, um, we're kind of winding the, our t- allotted time down for the show, but I would like to uh, ask uh, Gary to kind of highlight, you know, we know we've got a number of active cases here and ones that we can comment on I, I would I'd love just to maybe kind of have an update maybe or, or just kind of you know if nothing else just explain the situations but before we go there you have any other questions um uh Andrew no I I think he's pretty much covered all my um <clears throat> questions and and whatnot it, it seems pretty pretty straightforward about what he's saying I think uh I think he's answered a lot of what maybe the the associations or trappers are are wondering about these legal cases. So I, I'd love to hear um, kind of some updated news of, of what's going on. And Sure. And I can do that. So currently um, on behalf of the national trappers association, and I believe in all of these, that I'll discuss the fur takers are involved as well. And then the state association. Um, And so currently right now, there's more than this because there's some, a number of cases where the court uh, maintains jurisdiction. So the file is still open. And so there could be things ongoing, but there's nothing active. Um, Not that that's a pretty long list, but as far as there's active litigation going, so to speak, Um, We have one case in Minnesota, and it has to do with um, very common facts or pattern or legal pattern, how they're set up. This one is claiming that the state's in violation of the Endangered Species Act because licensed trappers incidentally trap a listed species under the Endangered Species Act, the ESA. And in Minnesota, there's been a number of these litigations, just like there has been in Maine and a couple other states 
over the Canada links. And that was a case where um, uh, the group, Center for Biological Diversity in that case, sued the state, claiming that the state was in violation of the ESA because trappers had trapped a number of links. And um, that's the basis of the claim. And the state DNR did settle that case over our objection and did appeal that to the A Circuit Court of Appeals. It, these are primarily federal cases, so it goes to the Federal Court of Appeals. Minnesota's in the A Circuit, so we have that appeal objecting to that that settlement. Um, and it, the settlement imposed additional restrictions in part of the state of Minnesota, the Northeast, what's called the Link Zone. So we have that one ongoing. I do not have a date for the oral argument on that set, I think. I haven't seen that, but that'll be coming up in the next couple months. Then we have an active case in Idaho. I actually fly out to Boise tomorrow to argue that on Thursday, that being the summary judgment motion. We filed a motion to dismiss the case in support of the state. Um, the state filed a motion to dismiss the case, and then the plaintiffs in that case filed a motion to dismiss the case, not dismiss the case, but to um, ask the court to rule as a matter of law that the state's in violation of the ESA. Um, it was over lynx and grizzly bear. They dropped the lynx portion of the claim, and they're still moving forward on that. Certain trapping results in incidental take of grizzly bears. Um, we have very similar case going in Montana, same kind of case. Um, that's just in active litigation or relatively early yet. Um, we have one that I'm not, I don't represent trappers on that. I represent some organizations within Montana. It's a state claim, same type of claim. Generally, it's about their wolf trapping um, program. Uh, so the two in Montana, the one in Idaho, the one in Minnesota, and then we currently have one in New Mexico. And that's a claim that we brought against the state for limiting trapping on public land, except for certain groups, primarily certain federally recognized tribes and pueblos are allowed to trap on federal on land, but no one else. So that's a constitutional claim, basically that it's um, favors one group based on their race or ethnicity over other groups for trapping on public land. So that's the, the ones we have that are active right now. I have a number of other subject like subject matter litigations going, but I don't represent a trapping organization. There are other groups that will bring claims or defend cases um, that don't involve the trappers, but they're the same kind of cases. So that, but we have five right now with the trappers going, and that's that's kind of been a, sta a pretty steady average for a number of years now. For unfortunately, um, and there will be more. And like I said, if it hasn't come to your state yet, it will come. It's just a matter of time. And there are ways to defend these. It, that you know, it's not without hope. It just takes a lot of work lot of time but there are a way to to defend these and to successfully defend these cases Gary how can the how can the average trapper or the average guy that that's that sees the the benefit in trapping what's the best way that he can support this in your opinion 
Well, one is take trapping seriously. And so this incidental catch um, issue is a a constant issue. So if you're going to set a trap, you can do everything right. And if you do enough things, enough time, anything can happen. I get that. But be careful where you set your traps. Follow the law. Think about it. Take it seriously. That's one thing. As far as working together, and you're never going to as trappers do this unless you work together. There's not enough trappers. Um, You have to work together. It is important to be involved in these associations. Your membership, it's a number. And the more the number, the more impact the association has. And so if we're up against Center for Biological Diversity, they have a half a million members, can't touch that. But if we can have every additional member helps us because we can show the court that we have these members with these interests, we have standing, um, we have a dog in the fight. So it's important to be a member. Things do cost money. And in today's world, everybody wants your money. I get that. If you really care about trapping, you want to continue to trap, you're going to have to spend some of your money to protect trapping. There's just no easy way around it. And as trappers, you should expect no one else is going to do this for you. And if they're going to say they're going to do it for you, they won't focus on you and they will give your interest up for some larger, you know, interest that that association has if they have multiple you know, client base, so to speak. So the the trappers are the best people to defend trapping. And the reality is you're about the only ones that are going to, you are the only ones that are going to defend trapping. So get a member, um, be willing to put some of your resources into it. And that is the way an individual trapper can do something about defending trapping. Awesome. Those are very, very, very wise words, I believe. Um. Any 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 closing comments, Gary or Andrew, either one? Uh, I just like to say, Gary, thank you for for what you do. You're a very passionate man about uh, trapping, and and you have the know how and the the ability to protect it in a way that um, I think a lot of us don't fully understand. Um, and and I really commend you for it. Well, I appreciate that. And I appreciate the people that support the ability to do this. And um, yeah, the final word I would say, if you enjoy trapping, go and trap. Um, Every day you trap could be the last day you trap. So treat it that way and enjoy it. My intent is long after I'm able to trap, there's still plenty of trapping opportunities. And if everybody treats it that way, I think there will be plenty of trapping opportunities in the future. But if you have the right to trap, go trap. It it is it is the thing I have sets that I have out right now. I will sit and I will think about those sets. Which ones are going to work? Which ones aren't going to work? That's what I live for, and I like walking up on them. I like setting more than I do checking because every set's the perfect set when I make it. It's for sure going to check, you know, catch some. But then when I check them, my perfect set don't always turn out to be the fur bear's choice to get caught in. So it it depends, but. Yeah, if, enjoy it. Just love it. Don't worry about it. Just go out and do it, and then and help the collective ability to protect it, and it'll be there in the future. That's awesome. Well, I will say this, and I think I speak on on most all of our members' uh, behalf. That one, we're very very fortunate to have uh, to have someone. 
from a legal aspect, defending Trapman like you, but the exclamation point behind that is a really, really sharp attorney that's giving you good, solid advice is also a trapper himself. That I, I, I just, I don't think, I think that would be extremely hard to find those two pairings together just on, on you know, anywhere else in, in the nation. And we thank you for your efforts and we are, we're very honored uh, that, that you're on board working for us. I appreciate that. Me and my firm intend to be here for the duration in the future for, for all of you. Well, sounds great. Well, um, th- thank thank both of you guys for sitting in for the show. Thank you, the listeners, for 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 tuning in uh, once again for another episode of the NTA podcast. Uh, a podcast wouldn't be very effective if it didn't have listeners. So we appreciate your time, effort. Hopefully, and I trust that that especially this one and most all these podcasts you find entertaining and educational. And join us again for in another two weeks when we'll be we'll have new content and we'll be coming at you again. And until this time, this will be Gary and Andrew and Chip signing out for the NTA podcast. Good night.